Chapter 22 The Shadows Stand The one called Eveldrath Steelbone, the Elf Skull Steel Faceplate, rode for the luxurious home of Magistrate Howe Grimswallow. It was the obvious choice. The most wealth will be found with their gluttonous magistrate, mused Eveldrath, and perhaps the artifact. He rode defiantly through the crowd and cut down each approaching opponent, if the foe wasn't caught in Wormwood's jaws already. Behind him, he heard his legionnaires and assassins. They kept the city guards from his back, and the ninja, for the most part. Though the city guards wore banded armoring far stronger than they deserved, his enemies seemed unskilled and rather poorly trained. As the raids he'd conducted on the city over the past year had gone on, the Dragon Army had them focus on whittling down the strong. It was a wise choice for a human. Once he'd learned of the ninja, though, they'd given him the most difficulty, and their lack of cooperation with his plan in killing them all had forced him to make a full-scale attack rather than strike in secrecy during the Dragon Army's assault because the Black Talon had been warned and were on the lookout for his raiders. For now, the path cleared for Wormwood to carry him to his destination. Perhaps the slaughter of the Magistrate would win his mercenaries enough renown to keep them alive a while longer. The Dragon Army should show mercy for a few small failures, he told himself. Besides, I slew the Elder Master myself. That was still a victory. When at last they arrived outside the Magistrate's home, they came upon several of the city guards standing before the house's courtyard. At his side, Lacolith Pale Rider, in charge of his legionnaires, called to him. No more than thirty of them, Lord. The guards stood defiant with spears in hand, a last bastion of fools against Eveldrath's raiders. Wormwood slowed and languidly walked toward the guards. They stood there, awaiting his approach. Eveldrath smiled at their self-importance. They must have been expecting an attack on their leader, but they wouldn't have expected what was about to happen to them. Eveldrath called out, his voice resonating through the empty stone streets. You're no small force, but do you really hope to stand against us? Using the common tongue felt strange. A guard at the front tightened his grip on his spear. Turn away, he said quietly. We'll show you the meaning of the word Nguath Kiri, Eveldrath went on, which in our tongue means pain. I do hope you love pain, for it will come to each and every one of you in the next few moments. And make no mistake, those moments shall be the last of your lives. The guards did their best to stand their ground. Eveldrath tried not to laugh when he saw a few of them shiver and their knees shake. There was no chance to flee now. Before any of the city guards' thoughts could coalesce into action, Eveldrath patted Wormwood's side. Eat up. The raptor rushed forward and roared, letting forth a screeching reptilian sound. He clumped the first guard in his path by his shoulder and head. The sound that resulted made Eveldrath smile sickly beneath his helmet. Wormwood tossed the partially swallowed guard aside and continued rushing over the gathering troops, now shouting and screaming. Eveldrath swung in all directions as he went. Enemies fell. Some fled, but most held firm. Some so full of fear they seemed unable to move at the sight of such a horrific killer tearing through their fellows. 
The Legionnaires and Assassins came after Eveldraft, making their own mark on the remainder. There were city guards who managed to fell two of Michaelis' riders, but in the end, Murtasokin stood alive before the Magistrate's house. The wall about the Magistrate's mansion was about ten feet tall, but its front gates were definitely less fortification than the city's own. Wormwood. Eveldraft bit his raptor. The beast leapt at the doors headfirst, and with a splintering crunch, it thundered. His mount strode forward, carrying his master inside. Thank you. I'm grateful. He gave his approval to Wormwood. Then he turned and raised an arm. Go ahead, said Eldrath to his warriors. But leave the magistrate alive for me. Lacolith and the others went wordlessly inside, most leaving their raptors behind. The house was big, but not that big. When Eveldrath glanced up, Magistrate Grimswillow peeked down from his window on the second story. From the look on his pale face, he'd seen the horrible massacre that took place. Eveldrath swung down from Wormwood. With weary steps, he made his way into the Magistrate's home. Just inside, he found two more guards dead, scattered across the floor with a pair of broken vases. The blood-soaked shards of the pieces made Eveldrath frown. They'd been rather valuable. He let his hand trail along the banister as he strode upstairs. Fine work, he muttered to himself. He could hear the sounds of battle up ahead. There must have been a few more guards outside the magistrate's room. In a moment, one came tumbling down, his armor rent and bloodied. Why aren't the Black Talon Ninja here? Eveldrath wondered. Don't they care about the magistrate at all? The thought was fleeting. In a moment, he entered the magistrate's room to a pathetic conversation. On his knees, Magistrate Grimswallow quivered. He pled with Lacolith and two legionnaires who stood before him. Please, don't kill me! I have knew me! I'll give you great wealth if you be willing to negotiate my release! Eveldra smiled as Lacolith spat toward the plump human. <laughs> Tempting offer, he said in his rendering of common speech. You know we mercenaries love a deal, added Eveldrath. It's unfortunate, though. You have nothing to bargain with, Magistrate Grimswallow. Your life is all that you possess. The rest is already ours. The Magistrate's voice cracked as he screamed. <sighs> Please! There must be something that you want that will spare me! He'd clearly had his way most of his life. He'd bought whatever he wanted. Eveldrath wished he could buy his own life back from its fate. It wasn't as simple as mere wealth. With a grimace, Eveldrath strode forward and his dark shadow fell on Hal Grimswallow. He'd tired of his toy. No time remained. That was it. He buried his blade in the magistrate's chest without saying a word. Minikin had lost the Dark Elves' leader in the Bedlam of Battle. It wasn't until that moment that he also realized he'd allowed himself to be flanked by his enemies on all sides with none of his companions to defend him against their attacks. A hundred or more Dark Elves swarmed. This would be some work. His blade didn't falter. His arms felt limp like dead fish. His chest burned. But with every ounce of strength that remained, he continued to fight. The sound of clashing blades and crashing armor rang in his ears. He spun, parrying blade after blade and striking down opponents with his fist, foot, star, and sword. If tonight was the night he would die, then so be it. Then he heard a voice. I'm coming, Master Shadowstar! Don't strike me down when I get there! Monikin couldn't look up. He had to stay focused on parrying and blocking each blade. But he knew the voice. Worry not, Master Purple. He called back, burdened by each breath. I see you. An obsidian blade came too close, breaking into Minikin's weakened defenses. It nicked Minikin in the thigh. 
He let out a hiss of pain, avoiding the yell. He met eyes with the Dark Elf, then mopped clean through the mercenary's legs. The Dark Elves were very tight around him now. He kept spinning. He swapped blades aside, almost entirely defensive now. Then he saw an opening, and Master Purple Fist leapt in. Her sickle whirled at the end of her chain, severing limbs like a line of fish eggs. Master Purple Fist stood at Manikin's side, their blades flashing wildly together. Manikin felt renewed vigor and strength as they worked their way south. Eventually, they pushed outside the thickness of battle. Several Tosakan city guards had gathered on that stretch of street and were holding most of the Dark Elves at bay, and they settled in with them. Manikin gulped air and dropped to his knees. When he looked up, Master Purplefist had a disappointed look on her face. She knelt down beside him. Elder Master Deepender always warned you of your recklessness, Master Shadowstar. What would you have done had I not come to your aid? Manikin thought a moment, still breathing deeply. He took a rag from one of the city guard who reached out to help. Thank you. Manikin tied the cloth around his wounded thigh, then returned to address Ryuki. I would have died. Or I would have continued fighting. Aren't you tired? Returned Ryuki. Yes, quite weary. But my strength will return. What would you have done if you had worn all strength from yourself and couldn't move any further? I'm not sure of the answer you see, replied Minikin, finishing his knot. They would have killed me, but that isn't what happened. You came to my aid. All is well. Come now. We should hurry to find the mercenary leader. He must have gone this way. With that, Minikin got to his feet again. He tested his leg. That should do for now. Hurry! He looked up to the gutter that lined the house they stood beside. He leapt and pulled himself up. Below, he heard Master Purplefist grumble. He just doesn't give up. Still, she followed. In a moment, Minikin looked over the surrounding streets, Ryuki at his side. Bodies lay scattered. The skies were beginning to brighten and dawn would come soon. What will come of the dawn? He said quietly, more to himself than Ryuki. The fall of Tasakan, or the removal of the Dark Elves? Or will the Dragon Army ships arrive in our unguarded harbor? Ryuki didn't respond to the grim comment. For several minutes, they left from roof to roof. Minikin had an idea of where the Skullhound Elf had gone. Soon, he caught sight of the top of Magistrate Grimswallow's house. I wonder what has become of Magistrate Grimswallow, said Master Purplefist when she saw what Minikin was looking at. Minikin was still upset at the Magistrate's lack of concern for his city. It's likely he's fled Tazakan already. He would gladly throw a company of soldiers before him to spare his own hide. Or he's already dead, Ryuki muttered. Still, he's a citizen of Tazakan. Thus, he should be given the protection we vowed its people long ago. Yes, Master Purplefist, returned Minikin, although he didn't feel like assenting. Then he saw figures pass along the street. It doesn't look like there's much we can do for him right now, though. As he looked down, a stray group of Dark Elves came north. They marched from the direction of the Magistrate's house. Before them, riding a great raptor, was none other than Eveldrath Steelbone, the mercenary leader they'd been searching for. The Dark Elves that strode behind him carried treasures of all kinds. Minikin looked to Master Purplefist. There, he found agreement in their eyes. This would be no easy foe to fell especially with the Dark Elven Legionnaires and Assassins trailing behind. The Tosakans were outnumbered. The Blacktown clan had lost its advantages when they'd been taken from the north. And what's more, the Dragon Army hadn't even arrived yet. They had to rid the city of the Dark Elves, and eliminating their leader was their only hope right now. 
Monikin moved hastily across the rooftops, Master Purplefish just behind him. He crept to a position from where they could intercept the approaching mercenaries, and soon he stood atop a home on the very street Eldreth traveled. Monikin and Master Purplefish knelt behind a second-story balcony, standing on the tiles of the first floor's overhanging roof. They will be below within minutes, said Master Purplefish, her back against the balcony. Do not rush to confront them, Minikin. Not this time. We have to work together more than ever. This may be our end, but we must use every ounce of strength we can muster to defeat their leader. You speak the truth. Minikin looked north, as if he might see some other Black Talon ninja who could give aid. There were none. They'd come too far south from the Battle of the Wall. None of the fighting had spread this far. They were alone. When he looked back, his eyes fixed on the approaching targets. Each second of the mercenary's approach felt like hours. Heavy steps of the stone raptor echoed on the cobbled street. Low voices spoke in a tongue Minikin didn't recognize. The tinkle of mail. The right moment had come. Minikin moved with lightning speed. He stood and threw his last four stars. Each sunk into one of the legionnaires. Screams. The remaining dark elves moved swiftly for cover after that, finding it at the edges of the street. They held their weapons ready for an enemy they hadn't seen yet. Wormwood reared up high and let forth a croaking roar. Minikin didn't flinch, but most of the Zarkovs below did. So did Ryuki. Minikin met Eveldrath's gaze as the mercenary pointed to the rooftop where they stood. The time for hiding was over. Move quickly before they recover, shouted Minikin. Grabbing the edge of the roof, he leapt down to the wall, then rolled onto the cobblestones to lessen the impact. For once, Ryuki seemed to have agreed with his haste. She landed just behind him. Then Minikin stood, and with Ryuki in tow, they darted toward the raptor and its rider. Eveldrath spurred onward. The raptor roared and leapt toward them. His teeth came dangerously close to Minikin's head. Minikin rolled beneath the beast, but as he returned to his feet behind the raptor, Eveldrath's sword already descended. He narrowly raised his own blade in time to stop Eveldrath from ending his existence so prematurely, and the two swords struck with a vicious ring. Ryuki bound aside as Wormwood attacked her. With her offhand, she shot her palm forward and connected with the raptor's ribs. Minikin only saw her for a second before Eveldrath swung at her again. Minikin heard the beast's ribs snap at the power in the small girl's strength. Clearly Master Purplefist had been successful. Minikin expected the raptor would at least slow down but it wasn't deterred by the injury at all. The insane creature snapped repeatedly at Master Purplefist, forcing her to backpedal several steps and then spring away altogether. While Minikin was off balance, Eldrath turned his mount, riding hard towards Ryuki. Minikin ran after them, chasing behind Wormwood's tail. Ahead, Ryuki backed against one of the noble house's walls. She was about to be jellied against it. Master! But that was all Minikin let out. Wormwood lowered his head and crashed into the wall, splintering wood and narrowly missing Master Purplefist, who'd bound aside at the last moment. Minikin didn't slow. He dashed toward his fellow master to cover the next strike. Wormwood twisted and Eveldrath slashed. He outcaught Minikin across the shoulder. He spun the best he could to keep the blade from cutting too deep, but warm blood ran. He felt pain wash through his left arm. Before your end, said Eveldrath, uttering in the common speech. You will see yourself spilled and spread out before you. You can't hope to stand against the might of the Thalui. Our numbers are greater than yours, and my mercenaries are strong and cunning. Manikin only shook his head, squeezing his shoulder to staunch the flow of blood. It had been some sort of attempt at intimidation. Manikin considered it a waste of breath. 
He took the moment to assess the field. No cover in the street. Gasped Ryuki with a breath. There's about to be. Evadrath hissed with anger as he spun Wormwood around for another pass. The rest of the mercenaries who accompanied Devilgrath approached quickly, clustering around Minakin and Ryuki. With a silent exchange, both ninja gladly moved into the mass of troops, while Evadrath and Wormwood came rampaging behind. Though Minakin thought being amidst Evadrath's warriors would deter the maniacal Dark Elf from attacking, Wormwood charged steadily forward, fighting through any who stood in his violent path. Blades rang. The legionnaires and assassins were far more skilled than any Dark Elf who fought tonight. It wasn't long before Minakin and Ryugi were both nicked and bruised. In what seemed like seconds, Elvedrath neared Minakin again. With a thud that beat the wind out of him, Elvedrath struck out, kicking Minakin to the ground. He rolled, narrowly avoiding Wormwood's teeth, though they found a home in another of Elvedrath's radios. Minakin nearly blacked out. His head swam with points of red and white. Slow down. He told himself. The skull-faced elf is open! Manikin leapt under the back of the falling Dark Elf before him, then sprang toward Eldrath. His katana was poised to strike, but it was too late. Eldrath extended his sword to gut him in the air. Manikin caught Ryuki in his peripheral as she rushed Eldrath, covered in blood, a desperate look in her eye. Then, with her chainsickle, she parried a Dark Elven axe and drove her blade into the side of Wormwood's head. The sudden lurching of his wounded and screaming mount threw Eldrath off balance. The point of his sword slid aside, and Manikin's blade found its mark directly beneath the skull-faced helm, a death-dealing throat stab. Wormwood reared in pain, throwing his master from his saddle into the street with a crash. Manikin wasn't far behind. He landed, rolling away from another dark oven blade before its wielder was suddenly dead, rent apart by the claws of the rampaging raptor. Master Shadowstar, called Ryuki, already moving up the street. Let's go. That thing's mad and dying. Manikin took only a split second to see Eldrath lying motionless in the street. Then he made for the nearest alleyway. The safety of the shadows and rooftops called to him. When he and Master Purpofist settled a few buildings away, they slumped down onto the cold tiles. Manikin looked back to see if they'd been followed. But the Dark Elves hadn't given them much attention. In the street below, they did their best to avoid their fallen leader's crazed beast. Wormwood writhed, whirling in circles, tearing apart whatever and whoever he met. That went on for several more minutes, until at last the stone raptor hit the ground with a squealing roar and a thunk. There, Wormwood died alongside the body of his beloved master, most hated enemy of Tussacon. As Minakin continued to watch, the legionnaires looked down at the sight before them. Apparently, they'd thought their leader invincible, because their faces were filled with disbelief. What do we do, Lacolith? said one of them. Then another voice, probably Lacolith, spoke. Come. We must head back to the rest of our kindred. We need to decide our course of action. I don't want to be here if the dragon army is coming. They'll destroy us without a thought. Munnikin's weak smile passed his lips. Unfortunate, he said, breathing hard. We didn't make that assumption beforehand. Ryuki nodded with a crack of a smile. The other Thuluis said nothing for a few moments. Eventually, they agreed, though, and the whole group marched north, passing Manikin and Master Purplefist where they'd stopped on the rooftops to rest. Wounds and bruises of all sorts covered Manikin and Ryugi's bodies. Though they'd managed to avoid any that would threaten their lives immediately, they were certainly in need of healing. As the excitement of battle slowly left him, Manikin's breath evened. 
He tore apart his cloth hood and wrapped his shoulder with it. He looked over to see Master Purplefist performing a similar routine. The blood from his wound seeped into the bandage before they even left, but Minikin remembered the bit of Shadethorn root he'd taken from ease. He read what was left into the wound. They moved northwards toward the broken gates, this time a bit slower. What's next? Asked Ryuki. We gather in the north of the city where Master Dragonfright probably is, said Minikin. We can retreat through the doors there if necessary. Abandon the city? Ryuki whispered. Minikin knew they couldn't fight off the Dragon Army, no matter how small the force. The Black Talon Clan had taken so many casualties, and the city guards were all but annihilated thanks to the Magistrate's ill-fated decision. Then a dreadful thing happened. The horn of the few Black Talon Ninja who had remained as watchmen over the ports sounded. When Minikin looked over, Master Propofist's face fell. The fated hour had come. The Black Dragon Army was in sight of Tussacon's harbor.